Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello. Welcome back, archivists. Hello. Hi. Took you a minute. <laughs> I'm here. Jeez. I'm here. How how are you? <laughs> I am well, thank you, Hannah. I fell down a flight of stairs today. I know. <laughs> I laughed. It's funny. <laughs> I also laughed. I mean, your daughter fell down the same flight of stairs when she was like one. Was she? Was No, I think she was almost two. Yeah. Or two. So what are you telling everybody? If I don't you're like acting, this house. If you're acting a little weird tonight, <laughs> it's because you fell down a flight of stairs. I No, I just, it was. And we went on another good uh, a three and a half mile walk today. It was cool. Yeah, it was a nice out. It was hot. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That what was you just got? my little like yeah. what you got? introduction. All right. Today we are talking about the murder of Sierra Buzigard. We are in Louisiana for this story in 2009. On the night of November 22nd, 2009, Sierra had been out with multiple different people, multiple different places in Moss Bluff, Louisiana. She is described as living a high-risk lifestyle, often sleeping on friends' couches or really anywhere that she's able to find a place to live. She has an apparent drug problem and does some sex work to, you know, make money for Mm -hmm. that. The last time she was seen was between midnight and 2.30 a.m. on the 22nd. So technically the 23rd because past midnight, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And this was at a house on Victoria Drive in Moss Bluff, Louisiana. She's 19 years old at this time. Her mother talks about how they had kind of a rough time growing up. She wasn't always there for Sierra. She was kind of doing things on her own, you know, struggling financially. It was just a really rough time growing up. She had actually also just been released from jail on the 20th. So three days before this or two days before this. From a minor drug charge. So How long was she in jail for? Not very long. It didn't say. So that's the last time that she's seen like a little backstory on who she is. Mm-hmm. On November 23rd, 2009, so later that morning, shortly after dawn, a person is out for a bike ride near Lake Charles off the side of the road of John Kuntz Road in Moss Bluff. And he finds Sierra's body. The Calcas... CU Parish Sheriff's Office is who is called in. It's Beth McGee. She is the detective. And then Tony Mancuso is the sheriff. They note that the crime scene looks like it was overkill. It looks, she's not even recognizable. They can't, she had been beaten so badly. Her hands had been cut up. Her clothes were all askew. There was an apparent, a very apparent struggle. There was a candy wrapper. We're talking about the crime scene now. Kind of seems like you're not paying attention. That's why I was. No, I'm just looking. <laughs> it's 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 by Houston, not by um, New Orleans. What? Moss Bluff, Louisiana. 
It's out west. It's not by, you know, I'm just thinking New Orleans, but it's out by, uh, closer to Houston, to Texas. I was going to say, I said nothing about New Orleans, and I was confused about the Texas. I was just curious where it was. Is Louisiana and Texas touching? They touch? Yeah. I didn't realize that at Mm -hmm. all. I'm really bad at geography. All right. Okay. I was just curious. So there's, did did you hear anything I said? Yes. Did you? Because (laughs) I want to make sure you heard what I said in case you say. The biker found the body. November 23rd, 2009, <laughs> someone was out for a bike ride mm-hmm. near Lake Charles, Louisiana, Right on the side of John Coons Road in Moss Bluffs. He finds the body of Sierra. Right, yeah. The Calcasieu Parish Sheriff's Office who is who is called in. It's Beth McGee, who is the detective. She's a lieutenant. And mm-hmm. Tony Mancuso, who's the sheriff. Okay. Mm-hmm. They note that the scene looked like it, ha- it was overkill. Mm. They said she was so badly beaten... She, her hands had been cut. Her clothes were askew. There was a very apparent struggle. It looked like she had run like out of her flip flops because her, her sandals, because they were like in two different places, like almost behind her. And her underwear was left with one of the shoes. All right. So that's the location that it happened then. Okay. Yes. That you were looking up. No, I'm saying that. So it wasn't. She wasn't oh, dumped yes, there. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes. That was yeah. the location. There's a candy wrapper that they take. Mm-hmm. There was blood-stained rocks. Mm-hmm. The autopsy reveals that sh- the cause of death was from blunt force trauma to the head. Mm-hmm. They say that the motive is a sexual motive. However, there was no DNA found in the rape kit, so it does appear that she was able to fight him off enough. No. Oh, okay. To yeah, to not. I mean, to not be sexually assaulted, but. They also find and take DNA from under her fingernails. So she was she was fighting. And we said that. Scratch him. Yeah. Scratch him. This DNA profile does match back to the DNA from the candy wrapper. They hmm. said the one that the profile that they had in the candy wrapper was like the most intact. It was like the greatest Oh, no one. kidding. So I mentioned that they don't know who she is. She's been badly beaten. They can't identify her. She happens to have some tattoos and she has a tattoo of someone else's name. But what they do is they take pictures of her tattoos Uh, and I guess they put it into their system because this police department has that system where whenever someone, someone is like processed in. Yeah. And she was in the system. She was in jail, just got out of jail. So they're going to identify her real quick. Yes. So they do come up with her tattoos and it is linked to her whole like file and her mm-hmm. little license so they're able to find out that it is sierra buzigard so from here they obviously start with putting the dna through codis they think that they are immediately going to get a hit because of how brutal of an attack is it is they think this person had to have they're a bad guy already yet. yeah yeah there was no matching codis however wow and it's 2009 too wow yeah we're like we're getting into like a little more recent ish yeah times like dna well again if you're in the system dna should that should pop up but obviously this is somebody who has escaped that right so what do you think they do next well they're gonna try to put her life together figure out who her family is who her associates are you know where does she live where she hang they're gonna construct her life really 
yeah. then the last 24 hours or so. I was going to say, they specifically take a look at the last couple of days mm-hmm. since she was in jail. It's kind of convenient because they only have to account for the last couple yeah, of days. Yeah, so they're going to find out, oh, so you're right, because now they know she was in jail. So they know what time and what day she got out of jail. So really, they only have to put together from that time. So when they, to, she was found. So I'd back up to the jail and say, who picked her up? Right. That's what I'd do. So I mentioned that she had been at a party. She was last seen. So they do yeah. start talking to everyone, and they do find out that she had been at that party the mm-hmm. morning, that morning, you know, past midnight that night. The last people to see her live actually said that they let her use their phone, and she made a phone call. Now, mm. when they trace this phone call or they call the number, when they f- figure out who the phone number it is, it comes back to a group of undocumented construction workers. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to say that they are Hispanic because that's that was important when we're going to talk about who we're looking for because we're going to talk about Parabon later. So mm-hmm. that is important. They They were at a different house that she had been going to and she was on her way. And this was a group of people that she had like started to become friendly with and mm-hmm. she liked them. She wanted to be around them. So they were the last people that she called from that cell phone. Now they are cooperative with law enforcement. They offer up their DNA. They are interviewed. They talk to law enforcement There was one of them, though, that had been at those parties that were with her the night before. He fled back to Mexico before the police found them. And they didn't really know his name or anything. They just had like a vague description of him. Mm -hmm. So police after her murder, after she was found is after her murder, he immediately fled back to Mexico. So police are automatically thinking that. Yeah, he is. We got to look at the guy. But do they know who he is then? Or, or no, wait, but for how some they reason know? they don't know his name. How, they just yeah, how know, do they know that, then? and they don't know where he would go. But they do get; they end up getting confirmation that he crossed back into Mexico. It, it looks like they, you know, they were all construction workers. They didn't really know each other that well. They didn't know his name. So somebody, or in the they group were lying, said, or they right, were lying. Somebody in the group said, "Hey, this guy went back." He's, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, how do they know? Okay, yeah. So throughout that beginning of the investigation, over 20 Hispanic men uh, were interviewed and gave over their DNA samples to law enforcement. So law enforcement now are pretty confident that they are looking for a Hispanic male. Why, why as is that? Her killer. Because that was the last group of people that she was okay. known to be around. The one that fled back to Mexico. Yeah. She, that was where she wanted to go. She uh, called them They have them to focus last. in on something. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't have anything else. And they they have you know they have the DNA from the crime scene, but obviously you know, none people, of their DNA is matching. People get upset about this, but look, you got to do something, right? And and ethnicity and race is a way to describe people and and narrow the pool. You got to investigate, right? When it it's comes not, to law enforcement, yes, yeah, it's yeah. not targeting like that. That makes sense, and you've explained that, you know. But well, and they it doesn't sound like they were upset; like they were all cooperative. They no, I know, and they I'm were all saying, undocumented, you know, and they were people, still pretty cooperative, yeah. and they gave over their DNA and everything. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah. From here, the case would go cold. Uh, there was no other clues, no other leads, just that DNA. And I mean, the law enforcement, the, the detective, this sheriff's department, they worked this case so, so hard. Yeah. 
because they were so confident that they would solve it because they had such good DNA evidence. Yeah. She left a lot of good evidence for them, mm-hmm. but there was they just had nothing. So it goes cold. You know, then, and then the person's not in the system. Right. So going back to Mexico, that all kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah. It's Especially if they're all illegals that haven't been caught yet, right? They wouldn't be in our system. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Right. Then in 2015, Monica Qual, she is the DNA technical lead at the Southwest Louisiana Crime Lab. Mm-hmm. She is contacted by another agency. It seems from what I read in my um, research, it seems that that agency was Parabon, that Parabon reached out okay. to them. So keep in mind, remember, 2015 is yeah. still pretty early into... Yeah. All of this new technology. Yeah, yeah. So Parabon is reaching out to places like, hey, let's try this out. We've got mm-hmm. this new. Uh, so they reached out to her talking about the new technology that they have. The snapshot. Do you remember we've talked about the, the snapshot? Yes. Yeah. So it's the it, it, they can put a face to DNA profiles. So I got a little bit more of an explanation of well, how I remember it's they done. know weight and they know ethnicity and all yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. I got and I got a little more explanation okay, that we hadn't right. gotten before. So she she takes this to Beth McGee, the detective I was talking about, the lieutenant, and this is still so early on that they're like, "There's no way." Beth kind of like laughs it off. She's like, "There's no way that that's real. You can't uh, what? There's no way." Yeah. They end up convincing the sheriff to try it out for Sierra's case. So basically, what it is is that Parabon Nano Lab has a library of known genetic info. And they have the DNA from thousands of volunteers. Mm -hmm. So they got volunteers to submit their DNA, but then to also come in for a 3D photograph. So they have those people's DNA, but then they also took a 3D like photograph of them in their Mm -hmm. system. Snapshot uses that DNA and those photos to create a library of known genetic information. And then when you put in an unknown profile, it runs it through that library and like cross checks it with all the existing information. And then that gives you a prediction of what that DNA profile could look like. Oh, I don't know. That's hocus pocus, I think. What? That so just because so they took someone's DNA and they they mapped out their face. So they're saying Everybody with that type of DNA would would look not like, necessarily. Uh, they have a ton of other DNA too. It's not just that they it the computer program that they have connects like the DNA specific characteristics to what the person looks like. So it's just it's it's not necessarily just running it through the pictures right. uh, yeah, and the I DNA. It's a collection of all of the information. So it has all of the different DNA profiles and it looks at all of the DNA and what those people do look like and what they could look like. Oh, so there's some algorithm in there that's yeah. making that happen. Okay. And again, this uh, is yeah. like in the very beginning. I think now I'm not so convinced about the phenotyping. So. Really? Right, yeah. It seems to work, though. Mm, I don't. It seems to work. All right. But again, I said prediction. So mm-hmm. it tells you ethnicity, facial features, basically putting a face to the DNA profile. And mm-hmm. again, it seems to have been working. It seems to be correct. Okay, yeah. So they have the, the science behind it. All right. So when Parabon comes back with the results from that snapshot profile that they come up with, mm-hmm. they find out that they have been looking for the wrong person. They have been looking for a Hispanic male 
when they were supposed to have been looking to a Caucasian male, pale skin, blue eyes, completely different than what they thought they were looking for. Okay, so from here, they kind of have to start all over again, right? Yeah, I mean, because they don't have any Caucasians. Not that they had been talking to anyway. Well, hold on. Hispanic's a Caucasian, so that's ethnicity. Caucasian is a race, so... Sure, that was just the distinction that they made. Yeah. White. I so mean, non-Hispanic pale, is what well, they're I looking did for. Say, well, I did say they're, Caucasian pale skin. Yeah, so they're, they're looking for a non-Hispanic, right. in other words. Okay, all right. But who's who are the suspects now? They don't have anybody, do they? No, they don't have anybody. Because yeah. the only ones that they had were the construction workers. That's literally all they had. So now they're back yeah, to... Yeah, that's a bummer. And this is what, nine, six years? This is six years later. Because this is 2015. Yeah, okay. When they get it back. All right. So really the only thing that they have to do now is to release that snapshot picture, right? We've seen them do this before. So September of 2015, police released the snapshot picture of what Sierra's killer could look like. Several tips do come in. One in particular is from a woman that said her ex-husband called her right after the snapshot picture was put out on TV. And he said, remember I was with you that night? Oh, yeah! What a dumbass! He should just let that ride. Yeah, and she said, "What? What night? What are you talking about?" He goes, "The night that Sarah was killed," and that prompted her to think back. And she said, Meh. "You? I mean, no, you went out for cigarettes." I guess she didn't say this to him, but she goes, "No, he went out for cigarettes, and then he was gone for hours. It should have only taken ten minutes because it was right down the street. He yeah. was gone for hours." And she goes on to say that, like, he was, she could see him doing this. Like, he was not, she said it was like she was being raped every time they were together. Mm. Because that was just how he was. Mm -hmm. So she calls the police to tell them that. Um, And this person is Blake Russell. Blake Mm -hmm. A. Russell. Police go, obviously, start digging into his background, right? That's the mm-hmm. next thing. Yeah. R- right. So now they get a name, right? Because they have a witness. Yep. Or a potential witness, and they have a name. So they're going to start, you know, digging him up. And we know the thing. Was he even living mm-hmm. I- in the area at the time? Uh, was he in jail, maybe? Um, does he have a DNA profile? You know, what's his criminal history record? They're going to put that all together. He actually lived down the street from the party where the construction workers had oh well that's even better because where all the hispanic construction workers were which is where she was going yeah yeah that's where she was at okay so So she was probably walking home from that party then because everybody at the party remembered seeing her and then she was walking home from from it and he bumped into her because he was out, out getting cigarettes and he realized that she was living a risky life so he enticed her somehow and then killed her or started fighting her off because the fight you know that makes sense maybe they were talking to each other so that's probably what happened yeah Mm. we're not going to find out exactly what or why he's not going to speak but when we get there i will tell you what the police believe happened okay all right so police see a picture of him and they are stunned i actually hold on i gotta show it to you how close i okay when i first saw it i didn't think so but then, when they, I saw it again together, I was like, mm, "Okay." Should I look it up? Hold on, I have I have the snapshot right here. Hold on. Here's the hold on. It's loading. 
If you pull up what he actually looks like, I have the snapshot. I linked it, but this computer is not working, so. Oh, I just um. Do you have both of them up? No, he's got that guy's got black hair. It's no, it's like a dirty blondish. My oh, kid's okay. The screen, yeah. Um, yeah, but his ears are flat. I don't know. I don't <laughs> see. I'm not. See, but now you know. So it's one of those things where, like, now you know. Now you're not going to be able to see it. Mm. Yeah. When you put the pictures together, like next to each other, I think maybe a little bit. But yeah, it was a little off for me. I was like, I don't know. But to the police, they're like, oh, that's him. That's him. That's him. You know? Oh, right here. What? Did you find them together? Ah. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. That's not the picture that is shown when he was arrested, though. That I Was that what he looked like at the time? Uh, I guess. I don't know. I think, but it's also, they're all so generic because most of these people committing these crimes are like just plain generic white men, right? Right? <laughs> and they all whatever look the that, same. Whatever that means, Hannah. I'm, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but that is. Google, do you know how many times I've been doing these re the research for these things? And they show me the picture of the, the killer now when we're talking about genetic genealogy. Do you know how many times I've been like, am I researching the wrong thing? Because that looks like D'Angelo. The Golden yeah, State Killer yeah. looks exactly like him in old age. They all look the same. So, like, <laughs> they all look the same. I don't know. I'm sorry. All right. Let's go. The, the snapshots, I mean, they all look the same. It's the all generic. Anyway, so p the police, nonetheless, the police see the picture and they are immediately like, that's him. That's him. But they don't ha really ha they don't have any evidence against him. Right. They have nothing other than he lived down the street and he didn't have a criminal history no nope. obviously because yep. he you know there's no system, system. Mm -hmm. so guess what they do well they're gonna follow him to get dna so they're gonna yeah they're gonna obviously they know where he works where he lives and everything so they're gonna come up with a surveillance plan what they do is gonna, even better they're gonna follow him real quick though this is 2015, so this is still in the early, early days of Parabon Nanolabs snapshot. Yeah, right. Um, snapshots now can be used as probable cause for warrants. Snapshots back then was illegal. They couldn't really? use them as, That's yeah, interesting. That, they, that's probable cause. At least in Louisiana, they, they, they said mm. specifically they could not use it yeah. as probable cause. Well, remember, they have good DNA, right? They have mm. the, the wrapper and then the... Um, Right. Uh, yeah, they have good DNA. But they need to get his so DNA. So even, they're not thinking genetic genealogy yet, right? right? They have this, they have a possible suspect that, so well, this now, is still pre now they, they have enough to, to surveil them. But, so they just right. created a warrant, is what no, you're saying? No, I said they, there was no oh, legal, back then. there's okay, no yeah, legal yeah. standing back then yeah. for so the snapshots. that's a good point. So, so they gonna, couldn't get a warrant. They're going to try to get DNA that he discards. Okay, so you want to know how they do it? Uh, let's see. Does he smoke? You're gonna guess. Does he smoke? No, I'm unaware of if he smokes. I don't think so. Uh, does he eat fast food? This that's not in the way. That's not the way. How do they do it? Uh, one of the investigators went to the bar that he was frequenting uh -huh. and sat and had a beer with him and told uh, Blake Russell this story about how he was gonna make his grandmother a Christmas tree out of beer bottles and he asked Blake Russell if he could have his beer bottle when he was done and Blake was like, Yeah, sure. Here handed him the beer bottle That's and then got up awesome. and left. And the investigator took it straight to uh, Monica, the the, awesome. the lab tech that I was telling you about. <laughs> That's awesome. That was like the most unique one. I, when I heard that, I yeah, was like, That's, That's awesome. 
I mean, that's smart. That's a, I mean, he'll have some, uh, they, that could pose some challenges in the appeal, but that's yeah, smart. It won't. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so the beer I bottle. I love the creativity of the police when they do shit like that. Yeah, it's it pretty cool. The beer bottle comes back as an obvious match to the candy wrapper and to what was found under Sierra's fingernails. So. There it is. They arrest him. They arrest him. Okay, so their theory. Do you, do you want to, you tell me your theory again. So the they're having this party. These Hispanics are at this party. Construction workers are at this party. And she goes that we we know she makes it to the party because those people last saw her at the party, mm-hmm. right? And then she was walking away. I don't think she had a car. She's like a drifter vagabond type. And he's out to real quick to run to get oh, cigarettes. He does smoke because we know yeah, he was yeah, out he to get cigarettes. Yeah, I right, just yeah. realized that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> duh. Uh, so he runs out to get cigarettes. Well, that's what she said. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He runs out to get cigarettes, and they collide somehow. They, they. You know, he sees her, falls her, they they collide somehow. Mm-hmm. That is essentially the police theory. When you said it the first time, I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they think he went out for cigarettes that night, like his ex-wife said. Mm-hmm. Sarah was walking away um, either to or from, and he offered her a ride. He might have come on to her. She either rejected him or asked him for money because, like I said in the beginning, mm-hmm. she was um, doing sex work for mm-hmm. her drug addiction and just living in that high-risk life. Police believe that he used a tire iron from his car as the murder weapon. Because mm. remember, I said she had been badly beaten. Yeah. So July of 2017, he is charged with second degree murder. And a year later, in June of 2018, while still awaiting trial, he hung himself in a mop closet at the Calcasieu Sheriff's Prison. Oh, jeez. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said... When you said a second ago, maybe we'll have to get through that in the the, the appeal or whatever. Yeah, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, I, I mean, who wasn't watching him? I, that's a good question. I don't yeah. know. All right, is this girl? Does her? Does she have family and stuff? Her yeah, she had, her mom okay. is still still alive. All right, her mom talked about the. Um, I thought what her mom was, what her mom said. I might still have it up. Was beautifully said when he was found dead in his in the mm-hmm. jail. She said, let me see if I can find it, because it was, it was beautifully said. She essentially said that she was praying for his mom or she was thinking about his mom and his family. This is not the way that any mm-hmm. of them wanted them to go, mm-hmm. but this is some sort of justice for her daughter. Mm-hmm. But obviously, no one wanted it to end that way. But it, it was really, I thought, beautifully said. Yeah, okay, good. But they got the guy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it kind of makes sense him committing suicide, feeling a little guilty, because he he wasn't a criminal necessarily. Mm. He had a little mean streak and probably was treating his wife like crap. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. And probably was had fantasies of doing something like that. That was him crossing into the dark side, and he couldn't handle it. Okay, yeah. So that's that's it for today's episode all right it's a quick one but it's um kind of back uh, at the beginning before genealogy yeah so. the snapshot i the the story of the investigator i thought was a, a cool story of how yeah he, that's cool you always love when they get creative like that you know how he got the mm-hmm. the dna from him so thank you guys for listening this week as always you can find us on instagram at true crime archives podcast and twitter at tc archives pod and we will be back next week with another episode Later. Bye.